right. Um, so we are going to be in Deuteronomy 6. I told you to turn there earlier. Uh, you'll also notice in your, in your uh, bulletin that there's another uh, green card like this, a little light green card. And this card is our memory verse, memory passage for the month of February. So we uh, worked on the, on the Lord's Prayer uh, last month, and now we are working on Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. A great passage. We preached on this a few weeks ago. Again, just enhancing the fact that we want to hide God's Word in our heart. Uh, we want to treasure it. We want to know it. Uh, we want to be able to recall it and help, help it guide our lives. And we're going to see that today even more. I'm not going to read through that passage, but there are several different translations on there for your convenience uh, to begin learning and, uh, and studying and memorizing as you go. So that, uh, that's for you. Um, today we are continuing uh, in our series and actually finishing up the series, Your Word in My Heart, Your Word in My Heart. Uh, we, we started this because of our emphasis on memorizing Scripture, and not just memorizing a verse, but memorizing 12 passages, key passages of Scripture that will help us, uh, if we would memorize those, that would help us through this year. So uh, this year we are memorizing 12 passages of Scripture, one each month. Uh, I encourage you to do that. Take the, take the four weeks of each month to really dive into that and, uh, and learn how to memorize. If you're having trouble with that, if you, if you, like, you need some tools or resources or help, please reach out to, uh, to our church staff, to our leaders, uh, maybe a Sunday school teacher you have or a friend that is good at this, uh, and they can help you with that as well. Uh, it's so great to treasure God's Word in our heart. So we're looking at the impact of God's Word in our heart. And over the last few weeks, this is uh, sermon number five and the final one in our, in our series, and we could go on and on and on forever. Uh, we could preach through Psalm 119 all year long if we wanted to. But, but today, uh, as we look back on what we've already discussed, we, we've looked at the impact of God's Word being in our heart. And in the first sermon, we, we talked about that it would help us to not be afraid. That with God's word, we can have courage to, to march through, to, to march forward, and not be afraid. We also looked at God's word helps us to not walk with the wicked. And that was what we looked at in Psalm chapter 1, and uh, the, what's on your memory verse card as well. That God's word helps us not walk with the wicked, wicked because we have, have hidden God's word in our heart. We know what's right and what's wrong, and, and we can discern that. We also looked at God's word and how it helps us not be deceived. Uh, we can deceive ourselves very easily. We can get distracted very easily. We can uh, look in the mirror and forget what we looked at. And really what God's Word does is helps us look intently at ourselves if we really honestly go to it. It's not just open it, read it, and be done. It's actually open it and digest it and chew on it and mull over it. Remember we talked about even the fact of, of what it means uh, to, to meditate on God's Word is to utter and mutter. Remember? That we, we, we talk about it, we think about it, we, we talk with others about it, we, we mutter it. and we, uh, you, you, like, Remember I talked about finding yourself talking to yourself? Right? It, it, that happens. When I'm doing a project by myself, or even if, I'm, if someone's around, I kind of start talking to myself, thinking through things. I don't know about you, I talk to myself in the shower all the time. I've got to be conscious of that. Luckily my family is gracious and they don't think I'm weird, right? But utter and mutter, that meditating on God's Word so we wouldn't be deceived. Uh, Alistair preached last week on not being unequipped. The idea that God's word in its totality is effective for us to be mature and complete, lacking nothing, that we would not be unequipped. And, and listen, we cannot leave this building, we cannot leave our house, we cannot get out of our car and walk into the next season or next phase or next uh, moment in our life being unequipped because Satan will have a field day if we are. This world is, is not our home and this world wants to yank us out of the confidence that we can have through Jesus Christ. So we, we have to be equipped, we have to go to God's word and let it fully equip us and prepare us for anything that comes our way. And today, finally, we're going to look at uh, don't forget. God's Word will help us not forget, especially as we meditate on it day and night, as we dwell in God's Word, uh, we will not forget. So we're going to look at things that we won't forget and how, how not to forget today as we look to God's Word. I'll pray over the Word, and then we'll read Deuteronomy 6, 4 
through 14. Let's go to the Lord in prayer again. Father, we come before you, God, desiring to know you more, to let your word impact us in a deep and meaningful way. God, our desire is not here, not to be here just out of tradition or out of obligation, but out of deep reverence for you, knowing that you are our only hope and you are our greatest treasure. God, help us to see your word in that way as well, that we would, we would God, honor your word, revere your word. We would, we would dwell on your word, God, and we would hide your word in our heart that we might not sin against you. God, we ask that you would challenge us and, and change us and shape us. God, we want to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the sacrifice that was made through Christ on the cross as he gave himself for our sins. God, as an atonement, a sacrifice for us that, God, as we believe and put our faith in him, we would have life because he lives. We ask now that his living word, God, would be heard and would be understood and would help us to repent and move to a place of faithfulness to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Deuteronomy 6, and we're looking at 4 through 13a. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he would give to you, the land with large and, be uh, and beautiful cities that you did not build, houses full of every good thing that you did not fill them with, cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you eat and are satisfied, be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the place of slavery. Fear the Lord your God. Worship him. Today we're going to be looking at this passage and breaking that down uh, and, and looking at how we are not to forget and how we're to remember uh, what the Lord has done. And we use his word to do that. So number one, do, do not forget, but entrust yourself to God. Entrust yourself to God. It, interesting what this means to entrust. And, and he says, if you look at the first part, he says, listen, Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. When, when he talks about the Word of God, he, he makes a connection with our heart and our soul, our, our entire being, our essence, that we would entrust ourselves fully from our heart to Him and to His Word. I think too often, for, at least for me, and I think for all of us at times, uh, we tend to, to use God's Word as a, as a tool, like, oh yeah, this is a great verse, I'll memorize that, if I do this, it will equal this. It's almost like it becomes a math equation, and, and gr granted, sometimes it works that way, right? A plus B equals C, or whatever you want to call it. And so we, we use it like that. But to use God's Word as a tool alone, like this is going to solve all my problems, does not put us in a place of entrusting Him and it with our heart, and from our heart. It's different. I, I, it's, I find this kind of interesting. I've, I have actually two different couples right now that I'm going through premarital counseling with, and I, I love it. It's one of my favorite parts of the week. Um, and, and we do it differently, different times, because they're you know, different ages and different 
thing needs there, right? But one of the things I've, I've noticed is that these workbooks that we go through and the information we go through and the scripture we go through is awesome. But it's, it's tools. It's like, this is how we should communicate. This is what we should expect in marriage. And this is how I can be a better husband. Or this is about how I can be a better wife. And it, it kind of prepares you for what you're about to enter. Here's the problem. If you enter a marriage relationship with just a bunch of tools, and like, okay, today I'm going to take out my tool belt and I'm going to use it in my marriage, there will be no genuine love for your partner. Do you understand that? Like, you can tool all day long and you can say the right thing and and use the right tool in the right circumstance but if you haven't entrusted yourself to that other person if, if they haven't entrusted themselves to you there is no relationship there there is no joy there is no passion there is no excitement there is no contentment in that i, I think tools are wonderful we have to have tools we have to know how, how do i tick and how, do I, how does my partner tick, and how do, we, how do we make things work, and how do we talk on the right level, and how do I serve them well, and how do I love them well? But you can't go into marriage thinking, okay, if I'm just obedient in these ways, it'll be great. You've got to feel safe, right? You've got to feel confident. You've got to feel like you can entrust yourself to somebody with your whole heart, your mind, your, your body, and all your strength. So when, when we look at the Lord and we look at this idea of the Word in our heart, it's more than just, okay, I've memorized that Scripture. I know it intellectually. It's that we have to connect this with this. And we, we then entrust ourselves fully to God. I, I think about this also in, in the idea of marriage, right? Uh, if we just use tools, it would kind of be a drag. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm putting in my time. I'm doing my work. The effort is there. How, it's it's going to be great. But if we, if we just if we concentrate on these tools and we just concentrate on, on the how-tos and, and what I need to do and what I need to be and what I need to say, if we just concentrate on that, we're also not having any fun. right? There's no, no excitement there. There's no passion. It's like, I, I want to do something fun. Alistair said it last week when he talked about the advice he gave to that person who said, hey, what's your one piece of advice, Right? Uh, in marriage and it wasn't a long list of tools and a long list of thou shalt and thou shalt not he just said you know that passage in Ephesians where we're called as husbands to what die to ourselves right to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her like that's what we do we lay our lives down and 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 as you do that you just you enjoy that person and love to serve that person and benefit that person see in relationships we we want relationships that are exciting and, and passionate and, and, and we want it and, and fun, right? We don't want it to be dull and just kind of like, like okay, it's a lot of work today. We've got to get our tool belt on and get to chisel, chisel away. No, we, we let God's word chisel away. We hide God's word in our heart. We, and and we, we, as we do that, we obey. We entrust ourselves to one another. But see, listen, if, if we're to not forget, and we're forgetful people, the tools are not what's the thing we not forget, it's our passion and, and, and it's our love for God and what he has done for us. Verse 4 in Deuteronomy comes right after uh, them saying, this is my covenant with you. I'm gonna, you're going to enter the land and, and, and I'm going to be your God and it's going to be because of me and not you. It's because of God and not you. That's the secret. Don't forget that. That God's the one who is our hope and God's the one who is our, our assurance. So when, when he gives us commands, he says, listen, I, I want you to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? Love me with all you are. Entrust yourself to me. And the other thing about this is, is the first verse. Israel 
Love the Lord your God. The Lord is one. We get distracted real easy with other gods. And trusting ourselves to God says, you know what, there's nothing else. There's nothing else that's better. There's nothing else that's more important. There's nothing else that's going to satisfy. There's nothing else that deserves my time, my attention, my obedience, my worship, than God alone. And we entrust ourselves to Him because He is trustworthy. We do it from the heart. There's a few areas, I think, that we can kind of show this. One is through worship, right? We entrust by worshiping God. When we worship God, we're saying, God, you're awesome. We, we shouldn't be singing songs in church or in, in, on, on the radio or at home. We shouldn't be singing songs from obligation, like, let me sing this song because it's, it's like a funeral song. No, that's not, we should sing song from the joy and the overflow of the heart, right? And if we entrust ourselves to God with our heart, now we're worshiping him as we entrust ourselves to him. We worship him from, from our heart. Alistair read this at the beginning, Psalm 103. I'm going to read a little bit of it. My soul, right, all that I am, my soul, bless the Lord. My soul, right, I'm entrusting myself to him through worship. Bless the Lord and all that's within me, bless his holy name. My soul, bless the Lord. And do not forget, our sermon title, right, don't forget, do not forget all his benefits. Yes, we can say all his ordinances, all his precepts, all his rules, but, but what are we really not forgetting? When we entrust ourselves to him like we would to a spouse, we, we understand the great benefits that there are in marriage, but there's great benefits, greater benefits in our union with God through Christ. Don't forget all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity, heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He revealed his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. So the Israelites saw this. They saw it firsthand. And how often did they have to go back? Don't forget. Why did you forget? We just came out of Egypt. Now you're making a cow to bow down to. What, what is going on? Right? Don't forget. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Thank God he's slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. See, we're reminded here of, of his faithfulness, of his faithfulness to be a God that extends his grace to us and says, you, you can have me and trust yourself to me in faith and I will forgive and I will renew and I will pull you from the pit. So we worship him. And he didn't only do it through Moses, Right? He didn't only save the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery. He has done that for you and I through Jesus Christ. We see this in the author of Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times in different ways. We see this in Moses and through, through the prophets. We see now in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son. The benefits of, of what happened for the Israelites in, in Egypt don't really matter to us, except that that foreshadowed everything about Jesus. God has appointed Him, Jesus, heir of all things, and made the universe through Him. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact expression of His nature, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. And after making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is, we talked about this in our, our series during Christmas Right? This is God with us. Jesus is God with us. The exact representation of God in a physical form. 
And he's there to make purification for our sins. This is what our God is doing. We cannot forget. We don't forget, but we worship him. We respond, we delight, and we worship because of what he has done for us in Christ. And then we entrust ourselves by obeying. We trust ourselves by obeying. We entrusted ourselves to the word, right? We, we, God, your word is sufficient. I want to do that. We entrust ourselves through worship and now obeying. Hebrews goes on in the very, very last part of Hebrews in chapter 13. Now may the God of peace, this is a great prayer, and may the God of peace, that's our God we've entrusted ourselves to, who brought up uh, from the dead the Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Now listen, just stop there for a minute. Don't forget, we've entrusted ourselves to a good and glorious God who has given us himself and poured out his blood, and that's his covenant of love, his hesed love towards us, that we would believe and we would be saved. And today, if you've noticed, we're, we're going to be coming and partaking in the Lord's table. The body and blood that was, was given for us. We have to remember. We don't forget. We remember that. We entrust ourselves to Him. And we entrust through obeying. So we come to faith in Christ and it says that, that may that great shepherd equip you. Equip you and me with everything good to do His will. Working in us. In us what is pleasing in His sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. This is, this is such a rich text to unpack, and we're not going to have time to do that. But I, I want you to understand that. Faith in Christ, faith in the blood that has been shed for you and for me, that makes a huge difference. And we, we're entrusting ourselves to him and to the sacrifice that he made. It's not just, God, you, you did this sacrifice, thank you. But he goes on, he's working in us. Working in us. That's, that's again that entrusting from the heart. The, my, my whole person is believing and embracing and, and entrusting myself to God. And he's working in us what is pleasing in his sight. So we entrust by being obedient. And he's equipped us to be obedient. You, you see, we, we tend to forget it, it's, it's harder when we kind of, oh, well, I may not be obedient or I'm not going to respond to that call. Even as you filled out that card earlier, that blue one, like, oh, I don't want well, to. You probably knew you should have maybe filled something out. I don't know, that's like me, right? Uh, and I skip it, right? Like, are we, are we going to be obedient? Or are we going to entrust ourselves from within to him who's equipping us for every good work? Don't forget, but entrust yourself. Entrust yourself to him. Number two, don't forget, but let the word dwell richly. Let the word dwell richly richly this is this is a solution right if you and i want to know god more and to entrust ourselves to god more and not forget what he's done the best way to do that is continually remind ourselves of what he's done by the word of god amen i mean that that's what is there for our our taking and our our, our eating and our nourishment it's right right there for us too often though we 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 treat christianity we treat matters of faith like once and done things and we were taught that at a young age hey Walk the aisle and you're good to go. Hey, get baptized and you're good to go. Hey, memorize John 3.16 and you're going to be set for life. Hey, just go to Sunday school and try to recall one thing through your color page and you're going to be just fine. That does not equip us fully to entrust ourselves fully and to be reminded all the time of who God is. That is a day in and day out kind of thing. Do you understand that? And so look at the verse. Look at, look at what he says in Deuteronomy 6. So we go on to verses 7 through 9. He says, this word should be in your heart. And then what are we to do with that word? Repeat them to your children, 
Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. God's not, and listen, a lot of the Jews from this and the Israelites took took this and said, they're going to make little little boxes and put it on their hand, their verses in there and on their forehead. They took it so so literal that they just did the task. But this is about really entrusting it from the heart, right? It's, it's, it's God, I want this in my heart. And if I'm going to let the word dwell richly, look at the words here. Look at the words that we see in this passage that, that really make it stick. It says, repeat them. Right? How often are you repeating Scripture for your own heart, but to, to one another? Repeat them. Talk about them. Bring it up, talk about it, chew on it, right? But let's, let's utter and mutter them, right? When do we do that? How often do we do that? It says, when you sit down, when you walk, when you lie down, and when you get up. How, how often should we be doing that? All the time, right? The Word of Christ dwelling in us, the, the Word of God dwelling in us richly, is to be done all the time. And it's, it's hard to do that if I don't have it hidden in my heart. It's hard to do that if I'm not meditating on God's Word and going to God's Word and entrusting myself from the heart to God's Word. It says in verse 8, bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. Interesting, my, my daughter came home from, I think it was Team Kid, a week ago or last Wednesday. And, and I, I, of course, I don't want my kids writing on themselves, right? It's like markers are to be, or pens to be written on paper. That's what you, I, the question in my house, what do we write on? And their response is paper, right? But my daughter came home from Team Kid, and I'm, I'm looking, and we're, we're getting ready for bed, brushing teeth, and, and she has writing on every finger on her, on her hands. I'm like, Bailey, what are, what are we doing? Like, Daddy, that's, that's Scripture. So I, they did something at at, at uh, church or at uh, Team Kid, where they were memorizing and writing it and binding it to them and saying, listen, I want to I remember this. I'm like, okay, okay. We write on what? Paper. And scripture? On our hands. It's a memory, right? It's, it's a tool. It help, it, it's, uh, uh, I can trust. Oh yeah, this, it reminds me. And we need that reminder. We need that wake-up call. And she hasn't really still scrubbed it off very well. So it's okay, right? It's in pen. Leave it on there for a while. And maybe it's a, a conversation starter with her friend's at school as well. But, but that idea just to, to always have it written, by, binding them on my, on, on my person, right, in my forehead, the idea of it, it being something I could read, like write it backwards on your forehead so when you stand in front of the mirror, you're seeing it, right? I, I like to take the other way and just put a note card on my mirror so I'm not writing something on my forehead, right? But it's, it's there when I'm looking and I'm, I'm dwelling and meditating. I'm entrusting myself to God's Word. I'm letting the Word dwell richly, right? Bind them, write them on the doorposts of your house, and on the city gates, we need to be reminded of God's goodness in the Scripture all the time, lest we forget, lest we become distracted. This idea of let the Word dwell richly, right? I, I think that those, those words, repeat, talk about them, bind them, write them, are so rich in, in, in fixing them to us and, and binding them to us. Now, Colossians also gives us a, a great passage of this, an example of this. It says this about God's Word and, and actually just our, our attitude. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on, or the word clothe, right? Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. 
just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of, of Christ, to which you were called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. So again, just a few things before I continue that passage. I think there's, there's an illustration here of being clothed, right? Of putting something on. The idea of dwelling in the Word of God is not just, I, I, I'm nose of the grindstone, but it's like, I'm going to put that on me. I'm going to clothe myself with this. I'm going to walk, wherever I go, I'm going to take it with me. In fact, part of this passage is on a sign in the back of the church as you leave. It says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It's a reminder as we walk out to continue to clothe ourselves. It's not just about being here. So we put on, we put on compassion, we put on love, and it's a bond of unity as we put it on. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were called, also rule your heart. So again, it's, it's putting on and ruling and becoming under, in submission to. And then in verse 16 in Colossians 3, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. This is our point, right? We want to let the word dwell richly. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. It tells us how to do that as the church. In all, in all wisdom, teaching. We teach the word of God. We admonish with the word of God, uh, one another. And we do it through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. That's huge, that, that the word of Christ dwell. And you've noticed that as we sing songs, or that, that special music we just had, we want to let that dwell richly in us. And as we contemplate that in a few minutes, as we partake in the Lord's Supper, we want that to dwell in us and move us to a place of remembering what the Lord has done and entrusting ourselves fully to Him. And whatever you do in word or deed, this is, this is what it comes out of it. As we let the word of Christ dwell in us, as we submit to it and bow to the word of God and, and let it change us, it says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. To you and I, as, as the word increases in us, it, it takes away that forgetfulness and we start to remember. And as we remember, it, it wells up in us thankfulness. We're thankful now. And I think it's a great thing for you and I to do, to, to, to be thankful. As we pray, think about all the ways God and all the things God has done and thank Him for that regularly. It helps us remember what He has done. Remember, remember who He is. Let's, then it remember, helps us be reminded about the Scriptures and let them dwell in us richly. One last part of this uh, point, Psalm 119. It, it, just the idea of the Word dwelling richly. I think there's this this. This word of God can be a fixed point of reference for us, something that's, that's always consistent. And here's the psalmist says this in Psalm 119, beginning in 89. Lord, your word is forever. It's firmly fixed in heaven. Let me ask you something. Will God's word ever change? No. God's word will always, always be the same and it will always be sustained. Your faithfulness is for all generations. You establish the earth and it stands firm. Your judgments stand firm today, for all things are your servants. If your instruction had not been my delight, I would have died in my affliction. You understand that? Like, that's where forgetfulness takes us. It's like I, I just pity and depression and despair and worry. I will never forget your precepts. Here's why. I'll never forget your precepts, for you have given me life through them. I am yours. Save me, for I have studied your precepts. The wicked hope to destroy me, but I contemplate your decrees. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your command is without limit. 
Your command is without limit. Listen, the word has, has led us to life through faith in Jesus Christ. Don't forget. Don't forget that, but let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Finally, number three, don't forget, but reverently remember. Reverently remember. It goes on in Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 13a. And the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would give you a land with large and beautiful cities that you did not build, houses full of every good thing that you did not fill them with, cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you eat and are satisfied, be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Fear the Lord and worship Him. Listen, when we talk about what we have been given through Jesus Christ, what we have inherited through faith in Jesus Christ, it is eternal life. And we have to be careful not to forget that. And we have to be careful that, that we would remember and reverently remember that there is no one else that could provide that. There is no way that I could have built it on my own. There's no way I could have, have, have earned it on my own. His righteousness was His that He gave to us through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And we embrace that. We trust Him with that. We entrust ourselves to Him for that. And, but how? It says reverently, I said reverently remember. So we, we need to go to Him humbly and say, God, you, you've done it all. I've done nothing. Uh, I, I've earned nothing, but you've given grace upon grace that I could have through faith in Christ. So what do we do now? How do we reverently remember? Well, it's through proclaiming. We saw this in Exodus with the Israelites. In Exodus 12, uh, they were commanded to keep the Passover. And it said, keep this command permanently as a statute for you and your descendants. So they knew the Passover was instituted. They would remember what had happened, how the Lord passed over the houses in Israel with the blood on the doorposts, right? It's when you enter the land that the Lord your God will give you as he promised, you are to observe this ceremony. Now, right there we can say, well, that's, that's a tool. That's, that's, they want us to do that. That's a work to do. And yes, they want us to observe that ceremony. That was Israelites. That's, we don't have to do that. We are under that tradition and law. We're under the new covenant. But we want you to observe the ceremony, but not just to observe it. When your children ask you, this is, this is the crux of the matter. When your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? You are to reply. You see the disconnect there? We can say, I'm just going to observe it. Or, I'm going to observe it, and as I observe it, I'm going to proclaim why I observe it. It, it is our observation, our, our obedience to it is saying, this is how great He is, and I want everyone to know. Think about baptism. It's, it, you don't just go baptize yourself in the lake by yourself. right? We baptize publicly because it's a public profession of an inward decision that's been made we baptize publicly and it's not a celebration of you it's a celebration of jesus and what he's done for you amen so the tradition is not just for the tradition's sake it is a tradition that we use to proclaim so you are to reply to your children when they ask you it is the passover sacrifice to the lord for he passed over the houses of the israelites uh, in egypt when he struck the egyptians and spared our homes. How do we reverently remember? We proclaim. And it's through our obedience, but then we proclaim. This is what God has done. And when you say that to your children, and that's to be your reply and your response, it goes on and says, so the people knelt low and they worshiped. 
See, when we proclaim the goodness of God, when we proclaim the grace of God, it, it pushes people and pushes us to worship God. And the Israelites, went, they went and did this, and they did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. Now, fast forward to the New Testament. Fast forward to, to Jesus on scene. And, and in John 6, he's talking with his disciples and talking with Pharisees about the manna that was given in the desert, like the, the provision of God. Now, as, as they talk about Passover, uh, all, of the, all of the remembers come up during Passover. All of the things about what God did for the, for the Israelites coming out of Egypt and the Red Sea, and they crossed the Jordan eventually, and how they were provided for in the desert, and how, how the Egyptians were swallowed up. All of these things are remembrances, right? For you and I, we fast forward to Jesus. He says, remember those things? Those were just a little shadow compared to what is now. And here's where Jesus picks up, and here's where it is for you and I, as we want to reverently remember God by proclaiming. Jesus said this. He said, truly I tell you, anyone who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now Jesus comes and says, listen, there, there's, there's something great among you. It's me. I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread that when you partake of me, you will live forever. What I'm about to do with my body and with my blood is for you. And you're to remember that. Now, they didn't like that. They're like, we have this Passover thing. This is kind of getting creepy now because he said, you got to eat my blood and drink or eat my flesh and drink my blood. And a lot of disciples left. And he challenged the ones that stayed. He, he, sa he said, well, are you going to leave? And I love this. Simon Peter's response. This, this should be what our response is. As, as we don't forget, but as we reverently remember, this is why we reverently remember. The response is this. Like Peter said, Lord, to whom will we go? To whom will we go? See, Peter remembered who the Lord was and what he had promised. He says, you have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, he remembered. There's nowhere else to go. And then he proclaimed it. You are the one, the Holy One of God. We have come to believe that you are the Holy One of God. So we reverently remember by proclaiming continually. And, and that's, that's what we fight, how we fight forgetfulness, right? Continual remembrance. It's not just once in a while, it's continually. First Thessalonians, Paul says, rejoice always. Right? That's continual. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That, that's reverent remembrance. It's continual joy and rejoicing, continual prayer, continual thanksgiving for everything we have through Christ Jesus. We reverently remember by continually proclaiming. And today as we come to the Lord's table, we reverently remember by proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. That's our exhortation in Scripture. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took the bread when given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often you eat, as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
If you don't want to forget, we've got to continually, reverently remember and proclaim what the Lord has done, what the Lord has won for you and I who have faith in Jesus Christ. So today as we, as we partake, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. We're going to, we're going to sing and worship. We're going to pray. But as we partake of the Lord's Supper, it's a time and an opportunity for you and I to stop and to think, I've done nothing. I've, I've dug no cisterns. I've, I've filled no houses. I, all the work that's been done has been through Jesus Christ. And I remember today, I don't forget that, I remember that, that His work was enough. His sacrifice on the cross was enough. We were separated by sin, and, and Christ drew us near through the blood He shed on the cross, that through His blood and through His death and resurrection, you and I who come to Him in faith, can have life. And that life is eternal life. We can know forgiveness. And then as we know Him, as we entrust ourselves to Him, we are called to not forget, but to reverently remember and proclaim Him every chance we get. This is a tool we use that we would honor God and we would not forget what He has done. What we're going to do here in a a minute is, uh, you'll come and serve yourself up here. They're double cupped in each tray. And, uh, and I just I want you to know, like if, if you're here today and you're, you're, not, you're not a Christian, you're not a believer, you haven't put your faith and trust in Christ, this is, this is not a tool for you to remember anything because you, you have nothing to remember yet. My hope is that you would put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And maybe you need to talk about that or think more about that. Uh, I'd love to speak with you. I'd love to pray for you. I'd love, love to encourage you in that. But, but watch, observe. Observe as others go and proclaim publicly their love for Christ as they proclaim that they haven't accomplished anything except for what Christ has accomplished, and that through faith in Christ, it has meant everything. As they remember, you watch. For the rest of us, take a few minutes as the the song just plays to pray and to to get your heart set before God, that you don't walk this aisle in pride, thinking, I'm good, because you're not. Only God is good. And we come down and walk the aisle and partake in the Lord's Supper because He is good. Because of what He has accomplished, we remember. And we entrust ourselves to what He has done. We entrust ourselves to Him. They're double cupped. Like I said, you, you come on up and you can grab that. And as you head back down, just, just partake at your leisure, uh, in your seat. And, and as, you part, as you partake, just remember what God has done. And after you partake, stand and worship. And finish out the service and worship and, and, and proclaiming and responding to what God has, has done for us. It's a beautiful thing that what Jesus has done. We get forgetful, though. We need to remember and reverently remember and proclaim him. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'll, I'll spread this out on the table, and you guys can, uh, we'll have our songs going, come up at your leisure, okay? Father, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that you've given us forgiveness through faith in Christ, and that God, he, he has done all the work for us. He died where I deserve to die. So God, I thank you that there is a sacrifice that has been offered that gives us life. May we embrace Christ. May we remember Christ. May we proclaim Christ and not forget to entrust ourselves to him every single moment of every single day. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come to the Lord's table to to be reminded and to remember all that he's done. May it be an act of worship and obedience and reverence to you. God, may it be an act of of humble reverence, knowing that we are nothing without you, but you have done everything for us. 
We ask that you would bless this time, that you would be honored, that we would worship you and remember you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.